you had, I think I saw 13 years having a, a eating disorder. Um, it might even be more, but that's what I saw. How, how, how what? Do you, how did that even start? And how did you get yourself out of that? And what was that process like? Okay, so when I went to college, I went on a um, basketball scholarship. And I was an athlete. Um, I was like the big dog in a very small little uh, area. So when I went out to college, I wasn't that big dog anymore, but I was still being able to compete, but I had to work harder. And so my coach, I was a um, forward, strong forward. And he goes, you're going to have to put on some weight. Hmm. And back then, it was really weight. So I actually didn't gain muscle. I gained a lot of fat, and I had never been that way my whole life. And this is really sad. This is back in the 80s, and um, my roommate told me how I could lose weight. And, uh, and I tried it, and uh, if people don't know, bulimia is throwing out. Unfortunately, it's not starving yourself, which is bad too. But she told me how, and then it became an easy thing. But then something triggers in your head, and you start eating your anxiety. Sort of like probably someone who is battling overweight, mm -hmm. they, they emotional eating. But there's a chemical that I can actually still feel it today. It's like my brain is telling me. And it's, it's, it's like an angel on one side of the shoulder, <laughs> devil on the other, and they're battling. And so I just became, it became a pattern. And my parents thought I was doing drugs because I was spending so much money on food and just throwing up. And I was intaking probably 15 to 20,000 calories a day. I would go from McDonald's to Burger King to Taco Bell, go home, lock myself in my dorm room or my apartment, eat, purge, eat, purge, eat, purge. And, uh, it was, and then it became where I did not have to make myself throw up anymore. My brain had been now kind of like trained. Wow. And it is a um, journey that I would not want anybody on, however... It's made me into who I am today. So I've taken the bad and applied it to the good. But it was a very hard road. I was bulimic during my pregnancy. I have a 27-year-old daughter. And it, it actually, it's she's going through therapy now because I was actually, after I had her, my cycle started right back. Oh. So she had an unhealthy mom for a long time. And I call it an addiction in a way because... <clears throat> My food was my addiction. And <clears throat> I work with a, a lot of people in recovering addicts. So as I was going down my road of destruction, and it really was, I went to jail, wrote bad checks for food. Uh, it was horrible. And then I'd go shopping because I wanted to make myself feel better. So you're spending money left and right constantly, and you're battling yourself constantly back and forth. And then it becomes a control issue, and you realize that, in a way, I didn't have control of my life. I was that athlete in school. I wanted to make my parents proud. Um, I was a big fish in a small pond. And then my parents, my dad was a school superintendent. 
of the county schools. Oh. And so my mom was assistant superintendent oh, of the wow. county schools. <laughs> so you really have to have to do pretty good. Yeah. So at school, the teachers, not to their fault, they would kind of like pick on me. So say, we're giving you a math problem. Okay, with that math problem, they'll say, come do it on the board. Well, they would give me a math problem that we didn't have for homework. And he would say, well, your mom's math, English coordinator of the county, you know your math. So I didn't like that. I wasn't myself. I was somebody else's. So then that was a way to, I had to, I didn't have control of myself. So when I went to college, I realized in a way I didn't have an identity. Andrea, the athlete, Andrea, the child of Freddie and Andy. And I never knew that I didn't have an identity. And then I, I became what's called a fraud. I'm always smiling, right? But underneath the smile, there was a broken person that she would never let anybody know. So my food became my drug. And it became a more, it, it, it became a vicious, vicious, vicious cycle. Then I started picking abusive men during my vicious cycles. And it's like, in a way, you think you deserve it because you know you're messed up. So my cycle got worse and worse. And then finally, um, I was having some health issues and I went to the doctor and he said, listen, do you want to live to see your daughter grow up or the father's going to raise her? And I knew at that time I could not let an abusive person raise my daughter. So it kind of put me in a cycle where, okay, what do I do? And I was married to military. So you have, back then, unlimited in a way to, for health care. They will help you. So I wasn't ready, wasn't ready. And remember I said I was a fraud. I was mm -hmm. also a personal trainer. I trained Marines. And I worked for, um, at that time it was NWR. Now it's MCCS. And I was also an aerobics instructor. And this lady was taking my class. And she was probably in her 60s. And she says, how do you stay so thin? She goes, um, I want to be like you, but I don't have a long journey. And I didn't know what she meant. She says, I have brain cancer. Oh. I don't know what snapped in my head right then. I'm like, I'm a lying piece of crapola here. People are thinking I'm living a healthy life, and I had this dark secret. And this lady's saying she wants to be me, and she's dying of cancer. And that's why I decided that I needed to get really serious help. And then I, I found a really good therapist. But back then, you got to think in the 90s, it's not like it is today. And it was very hard to find, but I found help, and I went away for three months. And during that time... You don't get, and people realize, like, they go to rehab. You're learning, if it's a good one, you're learning tools. And I would say it's filling my toolbox. So when I leave, I came in with an empty toolbox. Now I'm walking away with a toolbox. But when you get out, you're not fixed. You still need to go to therapy and figure out still why you did what you did. So I worked really, really, really hard, and I was offered a job. Um, that was going to help train senior citizens. And I said, you know what? I just need to be as healthy as I really can. So that happened. And then when I was training um, the Marines, I was very weak. And I said, you know, if I'm going to train them, I need to be strong. And 
to get strong, you have to be able to eat correctly to build muscle. So now in my life, I've always stayed strong. Um, I stand up taller, but it's made me more confident. And it's not because I'm carrying muscle. It's because my brain is now strong and my body is healthy. So like a lot of people nowadays, unfortunately, it's about what we look like, mm. right? These influencers are taking um, self-checks of their abs. <laughs> and I'm thinking, who are you self-checking for, right? If you're doing it for yourself, do it in the privacy of your home. Because people don't realize mental health is on the rise. Eating disorders are top besides drugs. It's the number one killer besides drugs. Wow. And, and it's not talked about. So sort of like I grew up with people on a magazine that were airbrushed. We have filters. People are self-checking. And let's say you wanted, man, that girl has great abs or that guy's got great abs. I want them. But your genetics might not be able. So you don't know what you've just done by you self-checking, what it's going to do to somebody that might follow you. And I wish our industry, especially in fitness, would change a little bit instead of not being about me, 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 me. Put out a message about we're not all the same. Counting our macros all the same. Not everybody wants to track something. Teach people just how to eat correctly, mm -hmm. that our food is not our enemy. And then you're going to lead people down a better life. And that's, I guess, because maybe one, I'm older and I'm, you know, I'm not a social influencer. But if you really want to be a social influencer, in my opinion, do it in a way that you can help the masses. And because of mental health, you don't know what that one word that you might have said in your post could trigger one person. And I think mental health in the fitness industry needs to be looked at um, with a sharper eye. And, um, and it's great to have goals and everything else. But when you're looking at social media, that's like it's a person's everyday life, mm -hmm. right? You, that we need to tell people, it's not my everyday life. I'll eat a cookie. I'll have a candy bar. I, I, did, I did see that you actually, you, you say that you do that, but you, you are, you've taught yourself to be really strict. Yes, when yes. you're like, because some, some people can't just have one no, cookie. They're going to yeah, have all the cookies. Yeah, right, so right, yeah. I saw that you were doing that. And, and I'm glad you're even talking about the, the, the whole culture of what it is now, because it's going to my next question. What mm -hmm. I had is like, what's what do you see the differences of the culture now like the gym culture now than what it was back then because i've heard so many stories about people like it used to be like you know camaraderie people used to work out together there's no headphones like yes. you've like trained each other you kept each other accountable and it wasn't about social media and it wasn't about um looking this certain way you just all kind of just looked at each other but you guys like people guided with each other and they, there was no secret like you Great. told people the what truth. the yes. truth like what are you what Correct. are you doing what are you taking Correct. what are you eating okay. yeah I'll tell you. Yeah. So explain that. So, I want to, I'm just curious. Okay. Yeah. So in the fitness industry, we all know it changes, but sometimes it also comes right back. So you'll see like things that went away. Okay. It's going to come back. When I was going, it wasn't about, um, uh, people taking selfies of themselves in the bathroom and posting them. It was more like, you're my friend, my gym friend. How are you doing? But one thing I loved about going to the gym, fit, fitness was my best friend, and it saved my life. But it wasn't just me lifting iron. 
It was the people that I got to see every day. And I joined, uh, honestly, I've lived everywhere. So I have gym friends from all across the world. And it wasn't about what we looked like. It wasn't about, you know, I'm preparing for a show and I need to track everything and everybody's social media. You didn't go in a magazine and read about, uh, you know, how people, and it's the same kind of, music the the little what it put in the words you know like it's not them talking we didn't have any of that the magazines were really even though they're airbrushed they were real articles you know they 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 were articles about getting fit but magazines have gone out right people don't really read that so it's everybody's going to social media right and everybody is fitness experts Mm -hmm. right fitness expert yeah and some people have never even trained. They just look really good, and then all of a sudden they blow up, and now they're trainers. The industry is changing so much that it's, and it can be good. And it's good in a way, too, because people are smarter with their training. Um, we know more, right? But I think the actual part of camaraderie has left the building, yeah. right? And one thing I was very fortunate with by training Marines, you watch the camaraderie. Sometimes I'll be with a hundred guys. They're all counting in unison and everything else. So you get to see true camaraderie. They're not competing to see, you know, Oh, I look better in my little green shorts, right? (laughs) (laughs) They're worrying if they can get their hundred pushups in. Right. Right. So I have seen a lot good and bad. I think we're more knowledgeable in a lot of things that we weren't, um, back then. Um, I think we do things a lot safer in some areas. Those things are great. I just think it's more now we've become so social media heavy. Mm-hmm. That's sort of like your gym, right? Mm-hmm. It, you go in, you're filming a video of yourself, you're taking a selfie of yourself, and it's so self-consumed sometimes it's overwhelming. And you don't see the people because they do have their headphones on. I do wear my headphone, but I always have one out my ear. And I do try to speak to almost everybody when I come in. And sometimes I don't even hardly get my workout in sometimes because I'm speaking. But, but you never know. Like if somebody could be having a bad day and their friends are only their gym friends. You don't know what their home life's about. So I think if we could bring in a, like a different dynamic in that way as well. But I do fitness is if people could realize fitness, we're only young a certain amount of time. So let's do everything healthy and safe and learn how to eat right. Because when you're getting in your 50s, 40s, you're going to get tired of tracking food, right? You need, you need to be taught just how to eat healthy. And it will carry you on the rest of your life. And uh, it's not that I'm beating down. I'm on social media. But I do try to write something positive that might help. I do try to tell my story. You'll never see me in a bathing suit. And yes, I'm 57 and I think I'm pretty in good shape, but I don't need to show what I might be looking at myself, self-checking to see where I'm at. Because one thing, people with eating disorders, they self-check every day, every single day. I used to put my finger around my arm and if my fingers touched, I was in good shape. If they did not touch, I needed to lose weight. So that's self-checking. So even in the bodybuilding world, the fitness world, we all are imperfect. We'll never achieve perfection. 
we need to figure out how we can do it and stay healthy because down the longer road is where it's going to matter. And, I, and again, I'm not bashing influencers. I just think sometimes it's overwhelming and I wish we could hit mental health a little bit better and yeah. realize that, you know, let's say a 10, 11, 12 year old, I don't know how young are on Instagram, but they see somebody that's a bodybuilder or this model, but genetically they might not ever be able to get there. Correct. And so if our influencers could talk about, you know, their struggles, be real, you know, seriously, you know, I know I can't get the six pack like so-and-so, but this is where I can go. I have struggles here. And then, and if you, and let people know you fail, you know, that you have fallen, make yourself real. Cause none of us are perfect. And that's the one thing social media tries to make it look like is we're all perfect. Yeah. And right. That, yeah, absolutely. That's uh, the, and then also instant gratification. Yes, you know, it is. Yeah. Always. So yeah. I'm, you know, you're always searching and you're always, and you go back and you look at those people, even though you're like, oh, I'm not going to let them influence me. You right. just go back to that person. You're yeah. like, God, man, they have a nice back. And yeah. you don't understand that it took them even too. like now that I'm like, you know, trying to compete it took them a while to get there too. And yeah. it's not, and they don't, they don't talk about that. They're just like, you just see the fine, the finished product, but there's like, it took them six, seven years to get to that point. Correct. And that's usually the, the people understand that. And that's the goes back with the instant gratification yeah. where I want it now though. I want to look like that yeah. tomorrow. I was like, no, no, it's not going to happen like that. So we, we go back with the social media though. Like, do you think it's, it's hurt you or has helped you? With me at being older, there are some that really, you know, um, as help probably I'm not trying to be like a influencer that is wants instant money and I, I'm not that person. Mine is I think it's helped me because I've had people since I've broken my back, I've had neck surgery and being bulimic. I've had people reach out to me asking me questions, you know, about it. And then it's helped people find me like I I was interviewed for the Today Show and they found me on Instagram about I was in a car wreck broke my back and being bulimic. And then I would say how I've come back. It's been a struggle to get back. Cause whenever you have an injury, Wait, when did that happen? Five years ago, I, I was in a car wreck. I have a uh, three disc in my neck. Wow. Um, two years ago, I broke my back. Um, my nephew was falling down steps and I went to grab him and I slipped down. It was 14 wooden steps so I rounded my back, protecting oh. him. So my back, the mid part of my back, hit the steps. But I went one year. I just thought I bruised my spine. Oh. And so I went to my neck doctor that did my surgery. And I said, I think I need you to look at my neck. I don't know what's going on. And I broke my back. And, and so that was harder to come back from than my neck surgery. And uh, no he, kidding. And he, he had to cut part of the bone off and... I still don't have a lot of flexion, but you still have to come back from that, right? It's a struggle. And then the bulimia part, I had to learn, one, to gain muscle. I had to learn that food was my friend and that I need it. And to gain the muscle and the strength, I had to have it. So that's where I say fitness saved my life, right? So what I, with social media, by me posting and being, I try to be as real as possible. I Which really usually do. helps, right? Yeah. And I've had people truly, and I've led them to my doctor that's done surgeries. 
Um, they've reached out, and and it's not just around here. It's been from all over that has, um, um, with an imperfect, imperfect, perfect campaign out of Australia, which is mental health. And um, so I, that's how Instagram, if I want to use Instagram, it's one, I want to help people. I want to help them try to figure out the best path for them. It's not about, you know, selling protein powder or (laughs) whatever it is. And I'm not knocking it, but I'm older. So I kind of been there. I wanted to look like the magazine girls, but I realized you can't, that's perfection. And with filters, we don't know who's real, what's real. And then the butt implants and everything (laughs) else. And so, you know, the society today is chasing perfection. It's chasing it. Let's accept who we are and work with what we got, Mm -hmm. right? And then start loving ourselves because we're not here on this earth and we know it can go just like that, you know? So we enjoy life, love who we are, and know that your body's going to take you where it is supposed to go, not like someone else, Yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and how so how would you do how how would you guide someone? So first when if you if you work with me, I'll say what I would like for you to do is write down a week. I'm not grading you, you're not in school, I'm not judging you. I need you to write down every single day. And I guarantee you you're not getting the proper things where you think that you need. And so most of the time people aren't eating enough. That that's yeah. the real truth. And I tell people, you know, tracking, if you're not a tracker. Some people are trackers, like macros and stuff. Okay, but I'm not a tracker. And I teach them how to eat properly, that we need things. And if you want to have a cheat day and you want to have your glass of wine, your cookie, your cake, just start back the very next day of your eating good and clean. But we still need carbs. People go, all carbs. No, we need proteins, fats, right? And carbs. Sorry. Good carbs. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we need. And... um, and if people could realize that and instead of like cutting out, because most people when they first cut, they're just not eating enough. So I just try to guide them. I don't give them macros. I don't tell them to count. I don't do any of that because really my, the people that I work with, I have a few in their 30s, but mine are mainly 40 and up. Mm. So I want them to have longevity. I want them to eat that's going to keep fueling them to live longer and better. I work with a lot of addicts, so we have to deal with alcohol and drugs. And this is what I tell them, and it's really true. I'm one of my favorite people I've ever worked with. Um, I won't say his name, but he's, he's battled addiction his whole career. And I told him, I said, listen, my drug, I have to have to survive. I have to have it. I have to eat. That was my enemy. But to for me to live, to keep my heart a ticking and everything else to work right, if I can overcome that, you don't need your alcohol or your drugs. They're not your friends. And then I tell them that we can make your food your friend. Don't be scared of your food because it's really there to nourish, get us where we need to go, right? Right. And like if you're doing bodybuilding, of course, you've got to be more regiment. But then don't overdo it after your show. Just go back to your normal healthy eating. And, and I try to teach people that 
It's okay to have a piece of cake. It's also okay to go to a party. It's okay. Don't feel guilty. You know, don't beat yourself up. Just start right back the next day. That's how I help people. I, we don't track or anything because, one, a lot of our professionals, and they're like, I just don't have time for any yeah. of that, right? Yeah. And they're not trying to get on stage. They're not. They're just wanting to be healthy and stay strong so they can get up and down off the toilet when they're 80 years old. Right. And that's our goal is to keep our bodies strong and our minds healthy, strong, mentally strong, so we can go through life and then whatever's thrown at us, we can we can attack it. So that's how I do with my clients. I, I don't really I don't emphasize food as like, the you know, the holy grail. Can you can you d- describe what healthy to you means? Like when someone hears healthy, that's what they see, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's what it is. Right. So uh, me and the word healthy used to have a terrible relationship. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, as, as we know, right? You, you look healthy, but you're not really healthy. <laughs> we, we we had a terrible relationship, and then when I started getting better a little bit at a time. People would say, oh, you look healthy. That word meant fat to me. <laughs> so me and the word healthy, we had, to, we had to come to an agreement. So healthy means really that it doesn't mean you have to be ripped. It doesn't mean you have to be stage ready. It means that if I needed to go, if somebody was chasing me, I could go and run and not have a heart attack. And that's how I defined healthy. And unhealthy is I do also, if you're tracking your food 24-7 all the time, not enjoying life, that's not, that's not even healthy thinking. So I take healthy as being able to really just be able to move. You know, everybody has a different way of fitness. Just move. If you can move, that's great. Yeah. You know, if you go, if you can't run, walk, right? Yeah. If you can't ride a bike, get on a rower, but just move and lift weights because of osteoporosis as we get older. It doesn't mean it has to be really, really heavy weight, but lift weight as well. And if you do that in, in a nice, not stressed, like I have to do it, I hate it, and you become a nice relationship where it's part of your life, it's easy. And that's what's healthy is to me. And which I think I don't understand why a lot of people, why a lot of people hate to do it. Like, I, I, is it something that they, because they, is it because they look at that picture and they're like, I'm never going to be looking like that. Sometimes, yeah, I do. I think sometimes people look at things and like, you know, I'll never be that person. And then also, they some people just don't like look, picking up weights. Some women think if they pick up 10 pounds, they're, they're going to get, get two, two, right? Because yeah. I've had a lot of people, I don't want to look like you, Andrea. I'm like, uh, <laughs> would, unless you eat like me and lift like me, you're not going to. Those 10 pounds are not going to make you. That's such a stereotype, It is. Though. It is. It's it really, such a big stereotype. And it's worse. When I first moved to L.A., I noticed it. It was big. So what I did, I used to be, if you go through my Instagram, I used I compete at CrossFit. Because you're from North Carolina, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I was pretty jacked. And I, I competed. And I was at one time ranked 35th in the world in my age bracket. Wow. So I was pretty jacked lifting heavy weights. But when I moved out here, I had to find that happy medium because a lot of women don't want to work. They think you're a bodybuilder. And I don't want it. So I had to find that happy medium. So where I can train men that know I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And then the females going, okay. 
Um, she she knows what she's doing and she's not trying to make, but she's not coming in with like, you know, huge arms and a huge back. <laughs> so I had to find that happy medium out here. At home, it's a little different, but out here, um, it's an image, a lot of it. A lot of it's image. How, how in home is it different, like in North Carolina? How is it a different? Okay, North Carolina is, honestly, a person shakes your hand, they mean it. Um, yeah, of course. Right? Yeah. Um, but it's in certain areas. Bigger cities is a lot of image, but in the smaller cities, it's more really how you treat people. It's not about how, you know, they'll go, Andrea, oh, God, you look good. Are you competing now? That's about it. They, they don't they don't sit there and look at you and like really break you down mm-hmm. um, out here um, compared I just think it's just I have to go home every now and then so I can come back revived here it's just a different vibe it's really especially if you're in LA and you work with people in the industry it's very um, image based right and that part is not as big in North Carolina, it's not as big. Like, if you go to your local gym, everybody talks to you. Everybody knows you, you know. And, and they'll, like, you're taking a spin class. They'll call your name out. So when um, I went in and opened a gym with my brother, he owns a franchise. And that's the biggest thing I told him. I want that gym to be a community. where. It, and when I announce, when people come in, I do mine a difference. So let's say you came to, it's a boutique gym. So if you came to class... Before I start my class, I form a circle. I tell everybody, welcome to Volo Fit. I'm your coach today. However, by you walking through that door, it's my responsibility now to whatever journey you're on to help you get there. And we're, and we're a community and a family. And then with a family, what do we do with our family? We take care of them. So I want people to know that we are here for you. So it, I told my brother, if you want to be successful You've got to build your gym into a family. And if, if a, somebody gets in a wreck, an injury, anything, you make sure that the community knows, you put it out there, you call, you check on them, everything. So I have not found that really here. So that's where I'm saying it's a lot different. I think it used to be that way. And, and at least at Ghost Gym, it uh-huh. used to be that way where everyone knew each other yeah. and stuff. And they then... It just disappeared. Yeah. I think the pandemic threw a lot of people I, out. I do. I think the pandemic and the pandemic has hurt. Like, um, uh, I think people really being friendly, like really mm-hmm. getting to know each other again. Right. How do you say no to people? It's very hard. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be, and there's an article written. I called myself the yes girl and, um, I could never say no. And it's very hard for me because even if I know I don't have a place in my schedule, I, I still want to help somebody. So it's very, very, that's a weakness of mine. I do know that. I take on too much for myself sometimes because I want to make sure those people are doing okay. And, um, but I had to learn because I was a yes girl. That meant I felt like I needed to say yes to everything. And you can't do that to yourself. You can't. You have to give limitations. You got to put yourself first at times and be a little selfish at times as well. So let's say a mom that has small kids and she's driving them to soccer, ballet and all that. And she'll go, I don't have time to work out. 
You need to find that time. Be selfish so you can get down and off the ground with your kids later in life. You need to find that selfish time to take care of yourself. But I do. I will say that is, if people ask me, that's my biggest weakness is telling people no. It really is. And I still, I mean, I have to, I talk to myself in the car about it. I'm like, Andrew, why did you do that to yourself, right? Right. Now, you, where are you going to, how are you going to fit it in your time? But I, 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 that's one thing I have to continue to work on. Andrea, what, what inspires you? What inspires yeah. me? People. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I love success stories. Uh, I want people to be successful. Um, my daughter inspires me just to be better all the time. Um, but I think in general, I, I, I know this sounds really, I think I look at life through rosy colored glasses a lot because I think life itself is an inspiration and, and it, it motivates me just life. And, um, and I, I, I really love to see accomplishments. And so I train a lot of people that come off now off of um, spine surgeries because I work with a doctor who refers them and seeing them to be able to do a movement that they thought they would never be able to do again. That inspires me because I want people to be healthy and just enjoy life and happy. So, I mean, some people say money and success. Mm -hmm. I think that can come with whatever with you do, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not the richest person on the planet, but you know what? I'm the happiest. And I think that because I love helping people. I love maybe if, if I write something out there and some one person only comes back and says, uh, that really helped me. I've done my job. And I think some people in life are just built to, it's, it's not about me. You know, um, I, I don't think I'm a very selfish person um, but that people inspire me. They really do. I love to see the underdog come forward. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, Rocky was my biggest movie and it's not Sylvester. Mine Storm. too. <laughs> Rocky. Man. But when I went into my eating disorder rehab, I wrote all the quotes of Rocky movies. Wow. So when I opened my first CrossFit gym, I had those quotes on the wall. And so my first show I worked on was strong and it was produced by Sylvester Stallone when I came out here. And it was with women that were battling eating issues. But I was the back trainer because they had all men trainers for the show on TV. And, you know, I think I threw it out in the universe. And, but it brought tears to my eyes because I was that strong girl now yeah. that was able to help certain girls. And, um, but Rocky was an underdog and that movie just drove me to almost help me kind of recover as well, um, on my journey. So people, I think people in the underdogs, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. I love it. And you're in the right industry. Yeah. Helping people and telling your story. And, um, I'm glad I had you on the podcast. You know, the, the whole point of this podcast, I was trying to tell people is, it's to bring people like you and others that have an inspiring story or have something nice to say that someone out there that will be afraid to ask you personally the question, they can just hear it and reach out or they can just take what they've learned and listen and apply it. And it's like, that's one way for me to helping them out. It's like, yeah. I can ask you these questions and talk to you about this stuff and they can just listen and, and 
apply it yeah. and that's what makes me happy is that they got they, they're listening to this and they're getting the information so thank you so much for sharing yeah, i really appreciate welcome. it thanks and for having me and you're doing a service yeah right we're both we're both helping out yeah, there as yeah. we can this makes me happy and i'm glad it, uh, um you're on on the podcast and uh hopefully we do some future ones maybe yes. some collaborations with uh, other influencers out there and that are in the same mindset yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not throwing a jab at anyone out there no, but no, no i think i think um if people could start collaborating and really attacking too because we all mental illness is not just drug addictions is not just eating disorders it's trauma yeah right you don't know what people have gone through and i think if we could start collaborating and realize we need to really attack mental health that's what i think i would love to see because suicides are at the top of the line right and why and i think if people can come together of all unities and start trying really hard to start fighting for the people. I think that's doing justice because the world's not the prettiest place right now. No, it's now. pretty pretty tough times right so now. So before yeah. I leave, I'm going to tell you this: these two things I tell people: give somebody your smile and be kind, because you never know what anybody's going through. If we can do that to people of anybody, it makes your day better. That's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much. Appreciate you being on this podcast You're today. Welcome.